If you're here for the first time, I'm Pastor Steve. It's just a joy to be with you today looking at the Word of God together. And I'm just going to pray for us that God will just take His Word and encourage us from it and strengthen our hearts and help us see what He wants for us today. Father, we thank You for Your Word. The privilege of being in a free nation where we can come together and worship You without fear. The privilege of you reaching down into our lives and giving us your revealed word that we can grow by it closer to you and more like Christ. Pray that you just by your spirit today teach us, teach me from your word and encourage us in it in the way that we should go. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Well, we are in a series here at Faith Bible Church uh, through the Sermon on the Mount. And that's three chapters in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. Last week we completed chapter 5. This morning we're going to begin chapter 6. And I'm going to read the first four verses out loud of Matthew 6. And you can follow along in your copy of the Bible. Matthew chapter 6, starting to read in verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. We have noted in our study through the Sermon on the Mount that in these three chapters, chapters 5, 6, and 7, Jesus is providing us with pictures of what it looks like to be right with God. Pictures of of how a person who is right with God should be living. And those pictures, for those of us who are Jesus followers, who are Christians, challenge each and every one of us in a very practical way of how we can more emulate Jesus' life through ours. The other thing that Jesus is doing is weaving a theme through these three chapters about righteousness. Specifically, the righteousness required to enter the kingdom. Remember with me, throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, one of the driving themes of the Bible is the kingdom of the Lord. This this time when a descendant of David, the anointed king, and the Hebrew word for anointed king is Messiah. The Greek word for anointed king is Christ. When the Messiah, the Christ, will actually sit here on earth on David's throne forever and ever over a kingdom of righteousness. And we look forward to that day. Jesus is talking about that day 
here in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And he's talking about what kind of righteousness is required to enter. He started out this little thread through these three chapters. In chapter 5, verse 3, when he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, blessed are those who are broken spiritually, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And, And what Jesus meant by that is in order to be righteous, a person has to recognize that they're not righteous. In chapter 5, verse 20, Jesus said, For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh, shocking words. Totally shocking words. Who could possibly be more righteous than the scribes, the teachers of the law, and the Pharisees? These religious leaders. And then last week we saw in the last verse of chapter 5, verse 48, Jesus said, Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. The perfect righteousness of God. In other words, Jesus lifts the bar so high. The righteousness that's required to enter the kingdom is so high. Each and every one of us say, well, I can't meet that. And that's right where Jesus wants us. Unfortunately, some of those who are listening to him aren't there. Unfortunately, some of those who are listening to him think they are already good enough to enter the kingdom. They think that they already have standing with God by what they are doing. By how they are living their lives. And so, Jesus in chapter 5 points out the error of what the religious leaders believe. As we come to chapter 6, he's going to point out the error of what the religious leaders do. In Jesus' day, there would have been three good deeds that would have been held in high esteem by all of Israel. One would be giving money to the poor. They would call it giving alms. One would be praying. And one would be fasting. And Jesus is going to look at all three of these good deeds. And tell the religious leaders, that the act of doing the good deed is a good thing. But the error is not in the act, but in the heart. That they are doing good things for the wrong reasons. They're doing good things to be noticed by People to get more people to follow them, to get more people to like them. Three acts of devotion. Jesus is going to show us in chapter 6 that the religious leaders are doing to draw attention to themselves. 
couple of months ago, in the month of February, there was a news article that came out about a 23-year-old Russian female model who went to Dubai and had a friend hold her over the edge of a 73-story skyscraper with no safety harness to do a selfie, to get her picture taken. And so there's this guy with his arm down like this. She has her arm hanging onto his arm, and that's it. His arm is the only thing keeping her from falling 73 stories. Now, i got to tell you, if I get up on an eight-foot step ladder, I have to have my wife come and hold the ladder for me. And about the third rung, I'm saying, are you sure you have it? This is 73 stories. And just a guy hanging onto this girl and she's dangling 73 stories up. It's over a thousand feet. Why did she do it? Instagram. She wanted to get more likes on Instagram. She wants, she already has 3.5 million followers. But she just wanted a few more. She was doing what she was doing to get people to like her. Isn't it interesting that there's nothing new under the sun? Because down back in Jesus' day, while they didn't have Instagram and Snapchat and Twitter and Facebook, we still had people trying to get likes. And we still had people trying to get followers. And they were doing it by doing good things but for the wrong reason. And Jesus is going to point out, point that out. And in so doing, try to show those who are listening to him that they are not righteous enough to enter into God's kingdom. Verse 1 forms an introduction to the whole section, to the whole chapter. It's an introduction to what he's going to say about giving alms or giving to the poor, financial giving, what he's going to say about prayer, and what he's going to say about fasting. And verse 1 is simply going to tell us that we should not do good deeds for the praise of people. For the praise of the Lord, yes. For the praise of people, no. I'll read the verse again. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Now, practicing your righteousness is a good thing. It's talked about in the Old Testament scriptures. For example, Psalm 106 verse 3 talks about practicing Righteousness. I'll just read the verse out loud. You can listen. Psalm 106 verse 3 says, How blessed are those who keep justice, who practice righteousness at all times. Practicing righteousness is simply doing what is right. It's doing a good deed. And we're going to see in here that Jesus isn't anti-good deeds. In fact, if you remember just a few verses ago, in chapter 5, verse 16, 
Jesus said, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. So there he says, people need to see your good works. Here he says, don't let, don't do your good works for people to see. What's he saying? It's all about not the act of doing the good deed. It's all about the heart and why we're doing the good deed. You see in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus is saying, do what is right. Do that good deed to point people to the Lord. In chapter 6, verse 1, he says, don't do the good deed to point people to you. Don't do good deeds to get more likes, to get more followers. Don't do a good deed to build up your Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook following. To do a good deed for the wrong reason, to get more people to follow you, We'll succeed in getting more people following you, but that's all it's going to do. In fact, Jesus says in the end of verse 1, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. And what Jesus is going to show is that when we do something good for the wrong reason, just to get people to notice us, our reward will be immediate. People will notice us, we'll get what we want, but we'll have no reward from the Father. The reward that really matters. And so, Jesus begins this section with a very simple statement. We should not do good deeds for the praise of people. Practicing your righteousness. It's another way of saying, doing what is right. And Jesus is not talking against the act of doing what is right. He's talking against the heart, the motives of doing what is right to point people to us. You know, sometimes it's hard for us To even recognize our own motivations, our own heart. Remember what the prophet Jeremiah says in Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 9 and 10. Is he talks about the heart and how hard it is to really read the heart. He says the heart is more deceitful than all else. It's desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. The Apostle Paul felt so keenly about it being difficult to judge the heart. He says he's not even conscious of his own heart. It's that Hard to tell. And he talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Starting to read in verse 1. This is what the Apostle Paul says. Let a man regard us in this manner. As servants of Christ. And stewards of the mysteries of God. In this case moreover. It's required of stewards. That one be found trustworthy. 
But to me, it's a very small thing that I may be examined by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even examine myself. For I am conscious of nothing against myself, yet I'm not acquitted by this. But the one who examines me is the Lord. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of man's hearts, and then each man's praise will come to him from God. See, Paul's saying it's really difficult even to judge our own heart. Did I do that for the right reason or not? Now, he also says it's really easy to judge somebody else's. Oh, that's easy. Did you see that? He did that just to be noticed. He's all show. It's really easy to judge somebody else's heart, except Paul says don't do it. We shouldn't do it because we can't even adequately judge our own heart. He says, wait to the Lord. The Lord will make everything evident. He'll disclose the motive of the heart. And one of the neat things about this this passage that that Jesus is going to do, even though it's hard for us sometimes to determine what were my true motives, Jesus is is going to show us a way to practice righteousness and not do it for show. It's just so difficult sometimes to know even what was my own motivation in doing what I just did. When I was a kid, my family lived out kind of in the country between Council Bluffs, Iowa and Underwood, Iowa, out on an acreage. And when my dad was home, we had a lot of fun things that we did as a family. He traveled a lot. He's probably gone 25 to 30% of the year. But when he was home, we had a pattern. And one of the things that we did every Saturday morning, Saturday morning was syrup day. I love syrup day. Syrup day meant pancakes, waffles, or French toast. And if dad was home, it was syrup day. And dad would make breakfast. He was great at it. Syrup day. Sometimes we even got blueberries. He'd make breakfast, and then we'd all sit down and watch cartoons. It was great. I mean, this was when cartoons were really good. This was Looney Tunes. This was Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck and Porky Pig and that that rooster that had a really deep voice. I can't remember his name. And the Tasmanian Devil and Wiley Coyote. I mean, this was the good stuff. And one of my favorites were those two gophers that were really polite to each other. And they'd get a dialogue going back and forth. And one gopher would say to the other gopher, I just watched this, by the way, on YouTube. And the one gopher would say to the other gopher, well, I was so concerned about what you would think. And then the other gopher gopher comes back and says, well, I always think that you choose the best. I value your judgment. And then the other gopher said, well, I'm so happy because I was so worried about that. And they go back and forth, back and forth, even to get through a doorway. One gopher would say to the other gopher, please go first. And then the other gopher would say, oh, no, you go first. And then this gopher would come back and say, no, I want you to go first. And then this gopher 
gopher would say, well, let's go through together. And then the other gopher would say, indubitably, let's go. And then they'd walk through the hole together and they'd get stuck. Sometimes we feel like those two gophers are in our head. Did I do that for the right reason? I'm not sure if I did that for the right reason. I sure what should, should I apologize? Maybe I didn't have the right motive. Well, maybe I did have the right motive. See, we can't sometimes even figure all that out because it's so hard for us to even read our own heart. We have no business trying to judge what somebody else's motives are. When we can't even sometimes figure out our own. It's just like two gophers in our head trying to politely argue a point. Well, Jesus helps us. He's made it very clear that we shouldn't do good deeds just to be noticed by people. But sometimes it's hard for us to even to sort out what was my true motivation. So Jesus gives us a very practical help here in verses 2, 3, and 4. As it relates to giving. To giving money. And this is Jesus' point. If I want to not give, just to be noticed by people, do it secretly. Do it quietly. Don't draw attention to yourself. You see, Jesus is saying that we can avoid the trap of giving money to be praised by people by doing it so that other people don't know. Look with me at verse 2. When you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be honored by men. Now that's a difficult phrase. And it's a difficult phrase because... In other writings at the time of the writing of, the, of Jesus, other writings in the, in, the, of, in the Greek world at this time, there's not a lot written, there's not things written talking about guys or people having a trumpeter walk before them and saying, da, 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 I'm going to give now to this poor guy. We don't see other writings about that. We do know in Jesus' day, that when a fast day was declared in Israel, maybe they were going through a period of drought and everyone's crops were hurting, they would declare a fast and trumpeters would blow their horns. And it was believed in Jesus' day, and we know this by other writings of the day, that if someone would give to the poor on a day of fasting and prayer, that it would make their prayers more effective. So maybe Jesus is alluding to that. Whatever the case, his point is this. Don't draw attention to yourself when you give financially. Again, verse 2. When you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do. A hypocrite's a person that's just playing a role. It's a pretender. He wants to look like he really cares about the person. He's really just trying to get more likes and followers. Verse two, oh, the end of verse 2. Truly I say to you, they, they're reward in full. If you're trying to get more followers, they'll get it. They have no reward in heaven. But, verse 3. When you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now, 
Jesus here is not saying that we should somehow have our brains split. When he's, it's a word picture. He's saying, do it secretly. Do it quietly. Don't draw attention to it. And that's what he says in verse 4. So that your giving will be in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When I graduated from Dallas Theological Seminary, the first pastorate to where I, that I went to was in rural North Dakota. In the Red River Valley of North Dakota, about halfway between Fargo and Grand Forks. Very unique place to be a pastor. One of the unique things in our church was it was probably 85% farmers. And every year we would have a fall harvest festival. We'd have a Bible conference and then the ladies in our church family would make a big dinner. It was great. And they call it our in-gathering dinner. And that day we would have what's called an in-gathering offering. Between half and two-thirds of our whole year's giving would come on one Sunday. That's just how they did it there. Partially because a lot of our people just gave once a year. It just Farmers' income's different than the way we're used to. And it's just how it was, but it was a good thing. Nobody knew who gave what. It was just people giving to the Lord. Now, there was one big church in town, big mainline church. Their giving was pretty different because when you walked into their foyer at church, they had a big computer printout on the wall with everybody listed alphabetically who goes to church there, you find their name and then you just follow your finger across and it tells you how much they gave up to that point that year. So you could look up pretty much anybody in town and find out how much they've given to the church. I couldn't believe my eyes, but that's how they do it. And so you can always just look up and see how you're doing compared to everybody else. And what that does is really two things. It really kind of fosters pride in how much a person gives, or it motivates by shame and and guilt. Oh man, I, I look what this guy did. Look what I did. I better step it up. That's not what Jesus is encouraging us to do here. Jesus is encouraging us to do good works. Notice. He says in verse 2, when you give to the poor. He doesn't say if. He's not saying if you do a good deed, if you practice your righteousness. He's assuming we will be his disciples will be practicing righteousness, be doing the right thing. In giving, in prayer, in, in uh, fasting. But he's saying we need to do the right thing with the right Heart. Not to try to get more followers, more likes. I want to read a neat passage out of the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14. Mark, chapter 14, starting to read in verse 3. While he, Jesus, was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper, 
and reclining at the table. There came a woman with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume of pure nard. And she broke the vial and poured it over his head. Some were indignantly remarking to one another, Why has this perfume been wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for over 300 denarii and the money given to the poor. And they were scolding her. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you bother her? She's done a good deed to me. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you wish, you can do to them, do good to them. But you do not always have me. She's done what she could. She's annoyed on my body beforehand for the burial. Just picture what it would have been like to be in that room. And this woman takes that vial of perfume that was worth about three-fourths of what your annual income is and pours it out on Jesus. Just think about the judgmental thoughts. I can't believe what she did. She just did that to show off. She, what is she Doing. If that was my perfume, I would have saved that and sold it and I would have done good things with it. Look what she's doing. You see, it's really easy, isn't it, to judge the intent of someone else's heart. And Jesus tells him, don't judge her heart. You may think she's doing it for show, but she's not. Remember the Apostle Paul encouraged us, it's hard for us even to know our, our, our own heart motivation. We, we can't judge somebody else's heart. Leave it up to the Lord. When he comes back, he'll reveal the motives of men's hearts. Of people's hearts. Jesus says, she's doing a good thing for the right reason. You know, ultimately, what Jesus is saying here is that it's all about the Lord. It's all about Him. There's a neat verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is a chapter all about money. If you want to read about money, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And the Apostle Paul is is just encouraged in the churches of Macedonia who are selflessly giving financially. Out of their own poverty, they're giving to the poverty of others. And he says down... In verse 5, in this, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. You see, ultimately, what Paul says there is that the issue is they gave their hearts to the Lord. And then everything that they do is out of that. Everything that they do is for Him. You see... What Jesus' point is, is this. It's not wrong to do a good thing. It's just wrong to do a good thing for the wrong reason. He encourages us to do our good deeds, to point people to Him, to the Lord, to God, not to ourselves. And here Jesus gives us a very practical way of giving our gifts to keep, to help us keep from falling into that trap of drawing attention to ourselves, give our gifts in private. 
It helps prevent giving for the praise of people. If you're here today and you are leaving today with a burden on your heart, I would encourage you to spend some time back in our prayer room. One of our leaders here at Faith Bible Church, one of our elders will be back there and just spend some time in prayer. If you want to talk with that person about how to know for sure you're right with God, we'd love to have a conversation with you. Father, we thank you for your word, the encouragement that it brings to our hearts, the encouragement that all that we do is really to be about you. We thank you as we have observed the Lord's table today for the reminder that you are all about us, even to the point of giving your one and only son to die in our stead. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.